You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey everyone, Ellie here with my Friday note to the cafe community. Hope you're enjoying these. As always, really appreciate hearing back from you. Please keep sending me your thoughts, questions, or comments to letters at cafe.com. Nobody better personifies the Justice Department's perplexing, halfway-in approach to the January 6th investigation than Mark Meadows. DOJ has now subpoenaed Meadows, sorta, but by all appearances, they're also nowhere near either charging him or fully flipping him. This one seems likely to land somewhere in that unsatisfying middle. Merrick Garland's Justice Department will be able to say they investigated Meadows and other power players— But the effort ultimately seems destined, calibrated perhaps, to land short of the top bosses. DOJ under Garland has a spotty history on Mark Meadows. You'll recall that Meadows was one of the first people who received a subpoena from the House January 6th committee back in September 2021. He got off to a flying start, producing thousands of damning texts in which various powerful elected officials and advisors begged him to get Trump to do something, anything, to stop the violence at the Capitol. Memorably, Trump's own son felt it necessary to go through the chief of staff to reach his own dad. Quote, he's got to condemn this shit ASAP. The Capitol Police tweet is not enough. Meadows was a font of revealing information for the committee until he wasn't. We still don't know why he had a sudden change of heart, but whatever the cause, he went from tell-all to lockbox. The House then voted Meadows in contempt of Congress and sent the case over to DOJ for a charging decision. Garland, in turn, took about six months before announcing late on a Friday night that Meadows would not face contempt charges. Sorry about the little dust up, Mr. Meadows. You can be on your way now. Garland, in turn, took about six months before announcing late on a Friday night that Meadows would not face contempt charges. Sorry about the little dust up, Mr. Meadows. You can be on your way now. News broke last month that the Justice Department had served a criminal grand jury subpoena on Meadows. Let's pause for a moment to reflect on the ridiculousness of this. Here we have Meadows, who was at Trump's side for essentially every crucial meeting before and during January 6th. He might as well have worn a sandwich board reading, subpoena me, please. Yet it took federal prosecutors well over a year even to ask Meadows ever so politely for his evidence. DOJ's belated approach to Meadows is in keeping with its reactionary posture on other key witnesses to the coup attempt. From Cassidy Hutchinson to Pat Cipollone to Eric Hirschman, DOJ has meandered into the fray only after crucial witnesses testified before the January 6th committee or were the subject of revealing journalistic scoops. According to the New York Times, federal prosecutors watched Hutchinson's testimony on television and, quote, were just as astonished by her account of former President Donald J. Trump's increasingly desperate bid to hold on to power as other viewers. 
Not only does DOJ's reactionary approach bespeak a lack of urgency and focus, but it also undermines their ability to use those witnesses effectively down the line, as I discussed previously. It's terrible form and it's self-defeating for prosecutors to allow key witnesses to be subjected to extensive public questioning before their testimony in the grand jury and eventually at trial. Yes, I know, DOJ spent the first year plus prosecuting over 800 Capitol rioters, and those cases were important and resource intensive. But really, there's no way DOJ could have fired off a subpoena to Meadows in the meantime. Sure, DOJ was busy building from the ground up, as Garland is fond of phrasing it. But couldn't DOJ have aimed high at Meadows and others in Trump's inner circle right from the start? Was it necessary to go through more than a year of wheel spinning first? Meadows has reportedly complied with DOJ's grand jury subpoena, but word choice is important here. Comply is not the same thing as cooperate. It turns out that all DOJ requested and all Meadows provided is the exact same materials he had already given to the House January 6th committee. Yep, the very same batch of selected texts that he mysteriously decided to delimit at his own whim. DOJ just as well could have gotten the text from the committee itself, or at this point from a few well-crafted Google searches. I understand to an extent DOJ's prior decision not to charge Meadows with criminal contempt of Congress, as I've written about and discussed previously. That case, after all, related to a congressional subpoena, and Meadows did partially comply. But grand jury subpoenas are different. There's no such thing as partial compliance, or at least prosecutors need not settle for half measures. Grand jury subpoenas are the real deal, the muscular big brother to the scrawny, sporadically enforced congressional sibling. You can mess with a congressional subpoena and escape consequence-free. See Exhibit A, Meadows, Mark. But that nonsense does not fly with a grand jury subpoena where the only practical outcomes are compliance, invocation of the Fifth Amendment, or criminal contempt and imprisonment. Nobody blows off a grand jury subpoena and gets away with it. So then why, oh why, would the Justice Department serve Meadows only with a halfway subpoena? Why would they settle for a subpoena that says, effectively, give us everything you already gave to the January 6th committee, when they just as easily could have commanded, give us everything you have, period? DOJ reportedly is in the process of litigation with, quote, an expanding circle of close Trump aides over the contours of their grand jury subpoenas. So perhaps prosecutors are working to get some of the other more important information that Meadows withheld from the committee. But there's also a universe of important testimony and other evidence that Meadows holds that he has not yet produced and cannot be reasonably subjected to executive privilege claims. With respect to those materials, there's no reason why DOJ needs to tiptoe around. Federal prosecutors hold the power here, not the former chief of staff. But now, owing to DOJ's tepid approach, they're locked in a slow motion waltz that promises to yield only partial and belated answers from Meadows, if any at all. Back in my prosecutor days, we would sometimes say to people in Meadows' position, don't jump halfway across the ditch. Either jump all the way, come fully clean, tell us everything you know and get the benefit of full cooperation, or don't jump at all. It's sound advice to any witness or potential defendant, but it's also applicable in this instance to the Justice Department itself. It's a shame, too. Because Meadows is potentially a source of unique and invaluable information. He had unparalleled insider access to key Trump conversations and meetings before and on January 6th. If I was prosecuting this case and could magically have the benefit of full and truthful testimony from only one person, I'd choose Mark Meadows. 
But DOJ seems more intent on playing nice and once again slow than relentlessly pursuing the full truth. Stay safe and stay informed, everybody. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.